1: And this is our review of Army of the Dead. Mr. Ward,
0: how would you like to make $50 million? On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere? met up with a gambler, we were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring. Out the window at the darkness, the boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces Think about it. What Everything it we did, all those people we saved by the way they held their eyes Look what it does if You don't mind my What if I can see you out of What if just once We did something just for us You ready to play?
2: There's two hundred million dollars in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32 hour window to get it out. Find the safe.
0: This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back.
3: They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're faster.
0: They're organized. The that you can hope for is to die. Oh shit. You got. It. No winter to fold them. No wind to walk the booty. No wind to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count. When the deal is done, done, done.
1: What is this? It's
3: a goddamn zombie tiger. That's crossing the line.
1: All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Army of the Dead, and the story is as follows. After a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for the greatest heist ever. The film is starring Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Ana de la Reguera, Theo Rossi, Matthias Shui Ofer, Nora Ar- Arzenater, Hiro Yuki Sonata, Tignataro, Raul Castillo, Huma Qureshi, and Garrett Dillahunt. It is written and directed by Zack Snyder. Here to join me today for this podcast review. I have Will Mavity.
2: Hello, hello, hello.
1: And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Alright, so Zack Snyder is going back to the to the zombie genre. Uh, That's where he previously made his directorial debut back in 2004, I believe, with the film Dawn of the Dead. It's a movie that many people uh, have said is Zack Snyder's best still to this day. Debatable. He's a very, very polarizing figure in today's cinematic landscape. I had gone on the record from our uh, previous Justice League conversation of saying that he is a refined Michael Bay. In my opinion, he does popcorn entertainment, uh, but his movies, although not perfect, they do attempt to at least explore some very adult uh, and very interesting thematic levels to them. Stuff that I feel like other Hollywood directors like a Michael Bay uh, doesn't even attempt to do necessarily. So I give Zack Snyder some props here or there, but for the most part, I've been pretty, ugh, I, I've been pretty middling on most of his work. Very critical. I'm definitely not a Snyder fanboy by any stretch of the imagination. However, there was definitely a great deal of anticipation with this one because of the fact that, like I said, it was a return to the zombie genre. It was different than the superhero films that he's been cranking out over the last couple of years, and also too a great opportunity for Dave Bautista to show us some more of his range, and lead a film. The movie is now currently streaming on Netflix. It's been playing in theaters for about a week now. So here we are to talk about it. Josh Parham, we're going to start off with you. What did you think of Army of the Dead?
3: Well, first off, uh, just on the subject of Zack Snyder, I will be very upfront, and I'm sure some people already are aware of this of me, that I also am not a really big Zack Snyder fan. In fact, some of his movies, I think, are pretty miserable experiences that I have been subjected to, particularly his DC stuff. Um, but having said that, you know, I go into every movie hoping to be pleasantly surprised, even if I don't think I'm going to like it. And I got to say, I think Army of the Dead is a good movie. I was shocked by how much I actually liked this film. I certainly don't think that it's perfect. It definitely feels like it's got some padding. It's two and a half hours. It didn't need to be two and a half hours. And I think there's definitely some stuff that doesn't add a whole lot to the overall story and the ending to the movie i think also kind of whiffs it a bit i don't think it really uh, kind of sticks the landing but overall i actually found myself having a lot of fun with this film i think that it doesn't really indulge in snyder's worst tendencies as a filmmaker that i tend to really shy away from and i just found that the overall tone was mostly just fun and entertaining and Yeah, I am absolutely surprised that I walked out of a Zack Snyder film and actually was entertained.
1: But uh, yeah, this one is pretty good. Now, do you think that that might be because this is a new property with new characters, unlike the DC films where we are going in with certain expectations of who these characters are?
3: Maybe, but I also just think that
1: aesthetically, this feels kind of
3: different than some of his other stuff. Like, you don't get some of the hallmarks of you know excessive slow motion and you know it it does still look kind of murky but i i don't know i still feel like it's not quite as grungy as some of his other stuff the way that it tends to look and i i don't know i just feel like whatever he was doing with this movie just tended to work for me a lot better than what he has done
1: being so self-serious too with his other films that just usually turns me off a lot Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, Will, do you uh, echo the same sentiment?
2: You know, I am also not a huge Snyder fan, but I actually went into this with pretty high expectations because I adore his Dawn of the Dead, and I'm, I'm just a sucker for zombie movies, and ever since the teaser trailer for Resident Evil Extinction dropped in like 2006 – I've still been waiting for something to truly deliver on the premise of Zombies in Vegas. Uh, and I was, I think maybe because my expectations were higher, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I, one thing it's interesting that Josh mentioned was he liked the aesthetic. And while I totally think a lot of Snyder's films run the risk of teetering into the over stylized realm, um, I think it was a bad call for him to DP his own movie. It really took me out of it how often the shot... Like, the handheld, for example, in Man of Steel... I mean, he's trying to be Malick, but there's a rhyme or reason to a lot of the movement there. And the, the shot compositions seem like he really thought through, OK, we're going to be handheld, but this is what it's going to show. Whereas here, the handheld just kind of seemed like they hadn't storyboarded much in advance... And it's just kind of capturing whatever coverage they can get. Uh, so the the handheld is kind of sloppy, and they have this awful shallow focus throughout. That you know it goes all like Tom Hooper and Le Miz style, and it's it's just very unappealing to look at. Really, kind of narrows the scope in. Um, and I get they want more of an intimate story, I guess, but it, uh, it's just kind of ugly. And then also the lighting I thought was pretty terrible. And so the, just generally, I missed some of his usual collaborators. I'm glad we weren't drowning in slow-mo, but I, I would say it was one of the uglier big budget movies I've seen in a while. And, I can't remember the last time the film's cinematography really took me out of it the way this did. And kind of beyond that, it wasn't as fun as I hoped it would be. It had, like, the opening credits are spectacular, and I think that was more the movie I wanted of zombies in Vegas as opposed to zombies after Vegas. And the film touches on it. There's moments where... You have a scene involving glow sticks that really kind of evokes like this feeling of I'm in a haunted house and this is scary. I'm on the edge of my seat. And then there's uh, the the German codebreaker character uh, is you know there's some good comic relief with him and there's a scene where they keep trying to bring in zombies to test a security mechanism that I thought was really funny. But I felt like tone wise it had kind of this uneven tendency, to not commit to that and instead fall back on trying to be serious. I thought it, it was too dedicated to trying to have pathos and really build on this tragedy backstory with Dave Batista and his daughter, uh, a kind of emotion that S- Snyder just didn't write well. And I thought the the dedication to that seriousness really undermined the movie and it, um, again, as Josh mentioned, it, there's no reason it need to be two and a half hours long. And I think that kind of dragging it out, this, something like this could have benefited from being more zippy. And it, it just doesn't really take advantage of the Vegas setting as much as I expected. Like, a lot of the movie is just in hallways and underground bunkers. Uh, it's, it's really only in the last 30 minutes, aside from the opening credits, that it really, you know it could have taken place anywhere for the most part with the exception of those final 30 minutes. So I know I use shit on it a lot. I did, I I enjoyed aspects of it and I'm glad to see Snyder making something that isn't a superhero property. I mean, I I enjoyed it more than I have enjoyed most of his superhero films. So that's a plus. Um, I thought Batista did a solid job Um, I'm always down for zombie movies, but yeah, it, um, it wanted to be too many things. It was too bloated. It was neither as fun nor as scary as I wanted it to be. So it, um, it could have been better. And that bothers me because I know the zombie movie, you want to turn your brain off and enjoy it, but it didn't even entirely let me do that.
1: This movie has one of the best trailers I've seen this year so far and I think that, coupled with my renewed faith in Zack Snyder following uh, his cut of the Justice League, really did have my expectations also pretty high for this. I went into this super excited. I really, really did. And what I walked away with was something where I was more mixed on it than I wanted to be. I don't think I'm quite as negative as you will, but I'm also not as positive as Josh's. I, too, thought it was overlong i have absolutely no idea why this movie is two and a half hours long it makes no sense to me and there's even all of this world building for potential sequels and spinoffs and things of that nature where quite frankly i felt like that was just kind of really dragging the plot down and hurting the pacing And I think if the movie had been shorter and it was a little bit snappier, it could have been more fun. Because you also have all of these individual characters who, in a vacuum, they're all very entertaining and very interesting personalities. But as a team and as they work together, the chemistry is pretty much non-existent between most of these actors to the point where... I didn't understand why we needed that long runtime. It was driving me crazy. But what drove me even crazier than that was the cinematography. I will fully agree with that. But uh, before I get to more of that in detail, because I I share a lot of the same sentiments that you do there, Will. um, I I want to just talk about the length of this film, the world building, the story. You know, like, do you guys feel that this runtime of two and a half hours was justified for this?
3: Oh, no. Absolutely no, no. I
2: mean, we both said no.
1: <laughs> so, I, like, yeah. I don't understand then why you would go this route with something like this because – I was hoping for at least some really impactful character development and god bless him dave batista i think is really trying in this movie and i think that he is actually delivering a decent performance here and is showing uh an emotional range that we haven't seen from him before so i give him props for that but i just never really got uh attached to any of these other characters outside of oh they're quirky and funny and oh they have this definable trait but I never really cared about any
0: of them.
2: Yeah, and I I think that was that was something that if it wasn't just gonna be fun, if it was gonna go for emotion, then I especially with that runtime, I expected more of that. You know, like you can spend an hour waiting for the plot to start, like in Jurassic Park, if you really do a good job defining the characters. But I think the problem was we didn't need this many characters and that's like a rookie screenwriter mistake of putting in far too many characters. And I I do think that was one of the biggest issues here because instead of really letting us focus on any one of them, it split them up. We kept focusing on them in different locations. And so instead of really letting us get attached to anyone, we get a, a lot, instead of a lot about anyone, we get a little bit about everyone and it's just not enough.
3: I am going to slightly disagree with the assessment, though, in terms of just of how we don't get a lot of information about these characters. Like, that's generally the setup of most heist movies, though. Like, most heist movies are, are assembled with the setup of you know a lot about, like, the person doing the setup, and then you get little bits of everybody else. So, for me, it didn't really bother me that I didn't get a whole lot of, of information about these characters because that's generally the construct of this type of movie. Like, it's a zombie movie, but it is also a heist movie at the same time. The only section where it did actively bother me was with the daughter character, because that is clearly meant to be the most emotional weight that the Dave Bautista character is saddled with. And I completely agree that I think that the movie does a pretty poor job of establishing those stakes and making us as an audience feel invested in that emotional outcome. And I will completely agree with you on that section. But in terms of all the other characters, I found that their main function yeah was to deliver some quirks here or there, but that's usually what I normally get out of heist movies. And I thought that those characters were well cast. I liked all the actors in those roles and I thought that they delivered what was necessary for me to be entertained by them.
1: Yeah, I agree the daughter having to come with him on the mission I thought was extremely forced oh. and the story didn't actually need it, in my opinion. I and thought everything that
2: everything the daughter did was forced over and over. Yeah, I mean, like, I can't get into um, we're not getting into spoilers yet, but no. there, there's something she does to make that the, the story, I guess, needed her to do. That is just insane in the third act and then was ultimately all for nothing, as we'll get into. And the story doesn't even address that. She doesn't care. Yeah, that that really bothered me. It it wasn't that we didn't have information about the side characters. I just thought there were too many of them. And, you know, they 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 split up quirky characteristics between a lot of characters instead of just giving kind of combining them into a few more.
1: I mean, this movie would have been okay if the team was, let's say, only I know this is like unrealistic for the job that they were pulling off, but if it was only like four characters, you know, if it was like a smaller unit, something like the size of, um, I don't know, let's say like the Guardians of the Galaxy, like the original group before they started adding all those other characters into it all, but like, I felt like, I, I agree with Will, it's it's maybe not so much information. It's that what what drives me crazy is that the movie's two and a half hours long and you have all these characters and you should have enough time to make them all very fully fleshed out and get me to actually emotionally care about them. But instead, I can't tell you any of their names. I can't really tell you anything other than something I visually saw on screen about them. Like, oh, that one uses a chainsaw. Oh, she's the pilot. Oh, this one is, you know what I mean? Like, There's no real investment there, and I I lay that at the feet of the screenplay, and also maybe, too, of Zack Snyder's direction of not being able to balance all of the different perspectives that he had in this movie, and I think part of that also is because he does split them up, which is normal, you know? I, I think with an ensemble this big, it's normal to definitely do that, but... There came a certain point when that happened where I felt more invested in one group as opposed to another, and because I didn't have an even level of investment, next thing you know, like I started getting a little scattershot throughout the movie. Plus, the runtime is going a little too long. I'm starting to get a little you know, weary and I'm starting to wander off and drift as I'm watching the movie. My concentration is getting all thrown off, probably also because the shallow uh, depth of field is also fucking with me so much. I'm just drifting in and out of focus.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I just think that like I understand the complaint about the characters, but like I think back to every heist movie that I've ever seen. And I like, I don't remember any of those characters names. I can't tell you who any of the characters are in like. The Ocean's movies.
2: <laughs> I just remember. Danny Ocean. It's not their names, but it's like the Italian job. OK, so you have Handsome Rob or whatever his name is, you know, and he's like he, he's he's the suave Jason Statham one who can smooth talk his way out of anything. And then you have the Don Cheadle character who's deaf in one ear. He's the explosive expert. And you have the Seth Green character who's a music junkie. And wants speakers so loud, they can blow out somebody's clothes off. I mean, like there's there's a smaller number of them, and they are a little bit better defined. They do. I mean, you know, okay, so Army of the Dead gives each character characteristics, but you could have consolidated them. We had two times as many people as we needed, um, especially when you have this runtime. I mean, I, I think the problem was it wanted to be both a Heist movie and it wanted to be both a zombie movie. And a heist movie you want to have lots of uh quirky characters that you can remember but then you also in a zombie movie you just want a uh you want a lot of cannon fodder basically in combining them especially cuz the pitch is the great greatest heist ever pulled and uh in terms of being a heist movie the the heist itself isn't that interesting no And I think that's also part of it. I don't want to say it's easy, but um, it doesn't really commit to that angle either, which I think is in terms of the funness is a bit of a letdown too.
1: heist movies also always have like a gotcha moment towards the end where there's a nice reveal and you realize that there's a character that's been like planning something all along and there are a couple steps ahead of everyone and so on and so forth. None of that here. And I think that's also because it's not just a heist film and a zombie film. It's also an action movie. And so you also have to incorporate moments of action. Uh, So instead of these clever reveals that the screenplay could have done in terms of like hidden motivations or something like that like the Garrett dillahunt character it's like come on like we we know why he's on that mission you can see it coming a mile away and there really isn't in my opinion like significant payoff to that character outside of the way that he gets killed uh but in terms of the story there's really nothing i feel like that was added other than world building for a sequel potentially um but as i was saying though in terms of like the action of this movie i'll give snyder credit where credit's due here like i i know it may sound like i'm complaining a lot about this film but i actually was thoroughly entertained by it from a stylistic sense of like blending the zombie the heist and the action genres all together i don't think it ever succeeds in either one of them perfectly but as a unit combining all three I I had fun with that mashup of genres.
3: Yeah, I I think that this movie definitely is the most fun that I've ever had watching a Zack Snyder film in a very, very long time. And I think it is partly because this movie, like, yes, does it have, like, an amazing airtight story with great characters all around? No, it doesn't. But I think that what it understands is that there are certain kind of, trappings of these particular genres that it's exploring that I think it does fairly well. And what I think I respond to most with this movie is that it really doesn't feel like it has any pretension to it, which I find a lot of other Zack Snyder films to have. They're so incredibly self-serious. And while this movie does indulge in that a little bit, and it's definitely the weakest parts of the film, I think for the most part, it has the mentality of just sort of wanting to relish in this setup and i found a lot of that to be very intriguing i found the dichotomy of the zombies themselves to be very very intriguing and um I, you know, the setup of where their hierarchy is and how they interact with them and wh- what the characters have to do to figure that out. I found all that's that all fantastic. Yeah,
1: that's that's great. That was like the high point of the movie for me was the actual let's take the zombies and let's do something different with them as opposed to what we've seen in other zombie films before. That made this movie very unique. And honestly, too, like that main zombie uh, that 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 leader, one great antagonist, Zeus. terrific antagonist for our uh, even though there was no lines of dialogue or anything like that, like just in terms of an imposing figure that they have to overcome. The movie did a great job of setting up him as a formidable antagonist.
2: Yeah, so I that is definitely an element I, I liked a lot. And I think that's what drove me crazy with this film is it has a lot of individual pockets of things. I'm like, fuck yeah about, but then it kept getting drawn into other things like the, the Bautista subplot that detracted from the time we're spending with stuff that's really interesting. So I second that the world building in that regard is fascinating. And, you know, Netflix is banking on this being a hit so they could do sequels and TV spinoffs and everything else. And I, um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where some of that stuff he introduced goes. I mean, like as everyone on Twitter's pointed out, and Snyder himself has pointed out, some of the zombies are robots, and he said that's something he's going to explain down the road because when they get shot, they have like a Terminator skull.
1: There, there's even a uh, like an oh my god! I was reading up on this the other day, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. There's also like all this uh, other sci-fi. Elements in regards to um, their aliens from another planet. Uh, there's a time loop aspect to this story that the movie definitely lays the groundwork for. That even I was like, wait, are we really doing this right now? Is that like it never comes to fruition in this movie, but you know, it's like it's implied that there is something going on there. And it's like, man, this like I can understand why the movie is along for those purposes, but at the same time, I felt like all of that was detracting from the main storyline the reason why we're here in the first place and for me it just had a it had pacing problems in regards to that like it, it there was times where the pacing was picked up and then there were times where it was like oh got to get into the heavy exposition of the world building and so on and so forth so this way we could set up these sequels spinoffs etc and it just dragged the movie down for me every single time they had to stop and do that
2: well, and I, uh, so I think that taps into bless Netflix's heart for giving filmmakers a lot more creative freedom than most studios. Yes. But mm-hmm. I think this taps into something of a recurring issue is there there is a cost that comes with that with a lot of films where they do give these directors free reign. They're too bloated. Because it's made me realize there is something to be said for sometimes having a studio exec who says, "We gotta, we gotta cut this script down a little bit. We need to cut out these scenes and be a little bit more choosy." I think it forces the the filmmakers sometimes to be more judicious in how they reveal information and decide what really needs to stay. And I do think in this case, I mean. I don't know that anyone but Netflix would have even greenlit this and given him the budget. So it's a moot point, but I do think maybe it would have benefited from somebody saying, all right, Zach, we can't do all of this yet. We need to just, you know, focus more in on this, make it a little shorter— because I mean, the man—you know—the man has a million ideas, clearly, and,
1: and he has—and vi- he has vision. You know, when they use the term like v- from the visionary director, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'll give Zack Snyder this—he definitely has a unique style that is onto himself. And sure. with Justice League, you know, the uh, the Snyder Cut version, there was something really gleeful to me about seeing him. Uh, unleash his full vision for that movie. And here, I felt like the same thing did occur where this is 100%, the gloves are off, he can do whatever he wants. Netflix gave him complete control. The problem for me is that I do not think the screenplay was strong enough to withstand all of that extra uh, creative freedom that he wanted to throw at it. Ideas-wise, it's all there. I mean, like, everything is there up on the screen. This movie has like a tremendous sense of vision behind it in terms of its overall look, its style, the characters. There's a lot going on here, but in terms of it all kind of just coming together in a way where it feels like it could, like to your point, Will, it could have been better. Um, I do think that there is potential with another film set within this universe to expand upon what's been done here and make it better.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think, I, uh, I suspect, I suspect this will be a big hit and I suspect Snyder will give us a sequel in addition to the prequel and animated spin-off series that we're already getting. Yeah, And I think, um, the film sets up where I think without getting the spoilers, one of the surviving characters from this film is probably going to be in a very interesting position in the sequel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Snyder has said that if he does a sequel. It's going to be in Mexico City. And uh, obviously he was setting up some interesting political questions with this film about, um, you know, if these things are sentient, should we really be trying to exterminate them? And obviously they're pretty not subtle parallels with the Trump administration. Oh, my God. Sean,
1: Sean Spicer, Spicer came up on the screen and I was like, what is happening right now?
2: <laughs> so obviously that will if the next film takes place in Mexico City. um, I imagine that those political parallels will be even more increased, obviously, with um, I know IndieWire did an article. They're talking about like, well, the obvious thing is that the U.S. will build a wall um, to quarantine. Yeah. So, you know, th- there will be some interesting stuff.
1: People forget, too, that Dawn of the Dead was very political. Well, both versions of Dawn of the Dead yeah, are so political. A- no, I know. But hey, but I'm talking about Snyder's version, especially like people forget that.
2: So I I think there will be some interesting ideas that can really be played upon in the sequel. Yeah. I mean, more, more power to the guy. He clearly has a lot. He wants to do. I think he just tried to do a little bit too much of it here.
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, I actually have a question that I want to ask the two of you. Yeah. Did you see this movie just streaming on Netflix at home? Yes.
1: Yes, I did not see this in a the theater.
3: OK, because I did go out and actually see this movie in a theater. OK. And I, th- I think that maybe that also might be influencing my opinion of this film, because I do think this plays really well on a big screen. Like, I know that there are some issues with the cinematography, and I will agree that I think the shallow depth of field does get a little excessive at a certain point. But I also think that, despite having a very limited kind of perspective i still think that there is something to the kind of the scope of this film that plays very well on a really big screen and locks you into that experience and also like the sound design came through really really well like i really loved all the sound work in this film and i think that there is something to the the kind of presentation of this that really lends itself well to kind of a cinematic experience and For me, especially walking into it, knowing that there are so many hallmarks to Snyder's work that I tend to just become completely resistant to. Like, when it's an hour into the movie and I haven't seen excessive slow motion sequences, like, I do take note of that. And I think that that plays into my appreciation more of this film, and... Yes, it is messy in a lot of points. I will give you that. I'm not saying that the screenplay is fantastic, but I think for the minimum that it has to accomplish, it does well enough. And when it needs to be really entertaining, I am thoroughly entertained by it, which I normally never am (laughs) with a Zack Snyder film.
1: Yeah, I got to admit, there's something to be said for if I had seen this in the theater, I probably would have enjoyed it just a smidge more. I definitely could sense that, Josh, and I'm not going to disagree on that point.
2: Yeah, and uh, I... I commented on the cinematography on Twitter and I did have a couple people say, "Oh, you should have seen it in the theater. The the compression on Netflix makes it darker and murkier." So it it is entirely possible. I don't
1: know if I'm watching this thing on 4K Dolby Vision on Netflix. Like, what do you like? Really? Is it going to be that much better? I mean, there's always compression on Netflix, though.
2: All all streaming has compression. I understand. They claim it looks less flat in a theater uh, in terms of the lighting and color. I don't know. But that is for For
1: me, it's not so much the murkiness. For me, it was more so the handheld focusing in and out and how nauseating that felt after a while, because it wasn't just in a scene or two here or there. It was legitimately every single shot was like that. Yeah. Throughout the whole movie.
2: And and also uh, just framing choices were often bizarre. If it was handheld, it reminded me more of Battle Los Angeles handheld than it did of the handheld Man of, Man of Steel. And like, You'd have a shot where for no apparent reason, the only thing in focus is the pool table. You know, it, it was it was just odd.
1: Yeah, I, I got to admit, like, I, I I didn't mind it early on. But as the movie went, and I think the length had something to do with this, it, it did start to bother me after a while to the point where. I'm kind of aligned with you on this one, Will. Cinematography-wise, this is like one of my least favorite looking uh, Snyder films. And I know that that's all also very subjective because I've heard a lot of people say they really, really like this approach, this style. It was unique. It was different from his other films. Hey, you know what? Power to you.
3: I mean, I I will say it myself. Like, I'm not going to say that I think that this is like a great looking movie, but to be honest with you, I feel like this approach means that He could not do some of his other things that a lot of people tend to really like. But as I've said, I don't really find myself responding to. So I actually do appreciate the more handheld, the more like sort of guerrilla style filmmaking that they were going for with a little bit more style to it. Like, is it consistently always great? No. But I think for the tone of the movie that they're going for, for this kind of you know, putting the team together and infiltrating this very gritty and rough environment—I thought it worked for this material overall.
2: You—you oh, you mentioned the the scale and the scope benefiting in the big screen. I do want to give a shout out to the um, like I said, the only time I really felt uh, outside of the credits, which again are fucking fantastic, uh, that I felt like the film lived up to its setting and environment and potential were the last thirty minutes. Uh, I thought the the helicopter climax was genuinely thrilling, and yes. I wish I had seen that in a big screen because, like that that sequence, really had me going like, oh shit! Like that was the only time I was like truly on the edge of my seat. And uh, I want to give a shout out because you know I, I'm sure the visuals there were very CGI heavy, but I thought that was a very well executed climax.
1: Not to mention, and I just found this out after. I saw the movie. I didn't know this in the lead up to it. I had no idea that Tignatara was inserted into this film Crazy. after the, after the fact. Yeah, that's insane to me. Seamless. Yep, and and I think like for me not knowing that and watching it and not picking up on oh that that shot looked weird for some reason. And, and, I mean, granted, I wouldn't have known why, but even as someone who had no idea, it completely worked for me because I was shocked afterwards to find out that information. Now. Did either one of you know that prior to? And I don't know, did you guys have a different experience of her character in this film as a result of that?
2: I I heard and forgot.
1: Mm. I knew that she had replaced uh, Krystalia. I I didn't know that
3: information going in. And I kind of wish I didn't because I was sort of looking for the seams and... I think there are a couple occasions where you can find it if you're looking for it. And that was distracting. But I don't really lay that at the movie. That's my expectation walking into the film. I do think overall it is like if you don't know it, as you said, Matt, it does feel pretty seamless. And I think the construction of that character anyway is sort of separate from a lot of people. So it's not like too distracting anyway. And also, yeah, Tika is fucking great in this movie. Like she's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so that helps, too.
1: I do think that Dave Batista is MVP of this film, but I want to give a shout out also to uh, Matthias uh, uh, show Hofer, who plays uh, Ludwig Dieter, the The Safecracker. I thought he was a riot in this movie,
2: yeah, him and Amari uh, Hardwick is always a presence I like on screen, and I think he's on his way to be very big as an actor. Um, I, I liked him and uh, Matthias's rapport. That was some of the highlight of the movie, and I wish we had a little bit more of that. And I know Matthias is getting his own prequel movie on Netflix later this year about his safe-cracking adventures. So I'm glad we'll get to see more of that.
1: How is your boy Raul, Josh? Tell us about your boy Raul. <laughs> well, I mean he. He served the function that he needed
3: to serve. He showed up in the movie, (laughs) and I got to look at him like that's all I really needed. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh yeah, he had an amazing character. He didn't, but I didn't need an amazing
1: character. Like, he was fine. I did did find it hysterical that the criteria for hiring him to come on this mission is that he had YouTube videos of him killing zombies, killing zombies I know. like I was like wow that's the bar okay hey
3: you know what I'll take it it's fine I thought it was entertaining but I also will agree that the um the chemistry between those other two, did grow on me it was kind of annoying to me at first but then by the end of it i was like kind of genuinely somewhat caring about them which i found to be really a feat of their performances and
1: that scene at the safe that that was i i will i will give you that you know it's like i mentioned earlier that i didn't think there was much chemistry between the characters in this movie like at all but that scene at the safe was well executed between the two of them
2: yeah the the whole safe scene that was a great moment (laughs) That that was, and I was like, "Fuck!" I think this, if we'd focus more, uh, if we'd narrowed the scope and focus a little bit more, there could have been more like this in the movie because that did hit hard. Yes, and uh, yeah,
1: you know what didn't hit hard? The neck snapping.
2: That was oh my god! There was
1: that was almost uh, it was that was actually borderline almost comical, the way that that was done.
2: The 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 reveal that just kind of came out of nowhere before that. I was like, "Wait, what?"
1: Yeah. I don't want to get too too heavy into the spoilers of all of this, but another uh, thing too that also rubbed me the wrong way from a character standpoint, I could have really have done without the Theo Rossi character. I, I was like, this feels like a totally different movie. I don't even know why we're focusing on this subplot with him and the uh, on, and the two other women right now. Like, I just don't like.
3: Well, I I will say this. You definitely didn't need the underlying exclamation point of this
1: is a bad guy. I agree that they did a little. It was so heavy handed. Yeah,
3: That was heavy handed. However, that character does serve a function in terms of opening up the mythology of the zombies in particular. And for that aspect, I appreciated it because it was new information that I thought overall was presented in a Clever way, like the character yeah. itself is very blunt, but I think how they use
1: the character, I appreciated. I mean, you could have just done that with any of the other characters, is all I'm saying, because there were just so many of them. Well, you need know, a red yeah.
3: shirt. Like you need a red shirt. Like I'm fine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 fine. And then uh, other members of the cast here, Garrett Dillahunt. He's a he's somebody who, for the longest time, I was always super excited to always see him pop up as uh, one of those "Hey, that guy" uh, type of actors and. Now, lately, in recent years, I haven't really gotten that as much. But um, he's still always that character actor that I'm always excited to see uh, pop up, even if it's not, like, a demanding role or anything like that. He's just had so many consistent, consistent moments in movies where he shows up for a scene or two here or there, or he does have a pretty substantial role. I mean, like, the early 2010s, like, he was... He was popping up in a ton of stuff, um, and now in this movie, he there's not much to his character. But I guess just in terms of a welcome addition to the cast, uh, I, w- I wasn't, you know, I, I, I he he was the least of my problems here.
3: He's fine, yeah. But I will say, uh, I'm just gonna say a great resolution to the character. That's all I will say. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, that 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 was fun. That was a very. Um...
1: It reminded me a lot of the Revenant with the bear attack scene
2: yeah and also uh also a less well executed game of thrones kill
1: totally i i'm I'm with you on that uh what else do i have here what else do i have here you know i feel i really do feel like we're at like final thoughts where it's like i could just bullet point certain things at this point so maybe uh you know to talk about like little things that we uh haven't mentioned yet or if you want to kind of like crystallize your thoughts will do you have anything else you want to add
2: yeah, the third act is beat for beat. Aliens. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. Worth mentioning, like, like up to and including, you know, like everything that Garrett Dillahunt does, his specific motivations, and what happens to him immediately after, and then um,
1: something with Tignotaro like, too. Yeah. Oh my god, that's hysterical! It yeah, is. It, yeah,
2: yeah it, the third act is aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the grenade as you get swarmed and stuff like literally, oh my god just aliens so um worth mentioning i love aliens um it's you know this isn't as well executed as aliens i'm not gonna give it a zombie movie shit for being derivative um but it is worth noting that it is very derivative
1: yeah that's hysterical. Oh my god. Now that you're like mentioning it, I'm just like, wow. Somebody needs to do a side-by-side comparison on YouTube
2: of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. crazy. That's wild. Anything else? Yeah. I mean, we pretty much covered it all. Uh I'm like I said, I'm glad to see Snyder doing something different and I know I I shit on the film a lot, but like it's worth seeing. I I'm, I'm not going to like give it a 2 or something. I mean, it's I had a good enough time watching it, and, um, you know, I'm always down for a zombie movie.
1: I think right now in this cinematic landscape, and as Josh said, watching it in a theater right now, everybody's looking for excuses to go back to the theater at this time, and I do think that you could do a hell of a lot worse than this at this current moment, so... I would say if you are looking to get a lot of bang for your buck, the movie's two and a half hours long, there's action, there's zombies, there's gore, there's fun characters, etc. You're definitely going to get a lot out of this, I think, even if it's not necessarily your thing. Uh, Josh, what about you? Uh, Two quick things I want to mention.
3: One, the negative is... You cannot waste Hiroyuki Sanada and think that that's okay. I'm sorry. No. Oh, yeah, I
1: agree. Sure. I was so disappointed that he didn't have much more to do in this.
2: His character didn't even need to be in the movie. Like, literally uh, everything that he served could have been accomplished by proxy. Like, I'm not saying I didn't want to see uh, Hiroyuki Sanada in a movie I just wanted more of them, and if you're not, then Garrett Dillahunt could have delivered all the exposition that his character needed. The only reason I can assume he's in here is that he's going to have a bigger role to play in the sequels.
1: Yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, but...
3: But what he does in this movie completely wasted. It's like between this and Mortal Kombat that movies don't know what to do with him anymore. And I find that to be very sad because he's such a great actor. Um, So that was disappointing. But overall, I still find this movie to be very entertaining. And I think it's interesting that expectation probably plays a lot into this because, you know, you two did walk into this with – slightly higher expectations than I did. I did not really have that much, given my history with Snyder. And walking out, I found that this was a movie that felt oddly restrained from some of his worst tendencies for me. And I think that allowed me to kind of fully buy into the world and what the film was doing on a tonal level. And it doesn't always succeed at that. I completely agree with you. And I think, especially towards the end, where it really relies on more of the emotional heft it it doesn't really succeed at that, but I still found myself like in the moment being very entertained by what was happening on screen. And I found that this was more fun than I had had than I usually get when watching Zack Snyder movies. And, it's not perfect, but it was really solid entertainment that I found myself very much enjoying.
1: So I I feel like there are these characteristics of Zack Snyder films that have popped up in pretty much all of his, all of his movies. There's usually a stunning opening credit sequence, and Viva Las Vegas uh, by Richard Cheese here is really fantastic, and I think it's his best opening credit sequence since Watchmen, actually. Uh, there's an intriguing setup of the main story and the characters. Like, I really was into... The beginning of this movie roadside blowjob you know definitely yeah. withstanding um i thought that was really ridiculous but that also kind of also highlights another thing too which is his screenplays while like i said earlier they attempt to explore deeper thematic layers of content that i'm like really interested in there are these moments whether they're lines of dialogue or something like that for example where i'm just like really like we're gonna be that straightforward and blatant with our approach to it. okay, fine, you do you, Zach. Um, the other thing too that he also has in a lot of his films are, is he has a he has a very obvious. I'm not so sure if it's great or bad soundtrack. Um, so for example, the movie closes with the track oh zombie God. by the cranberries and I was dying. I didn't know if that was the greatest or the worst thing I've heard <laughs> this year. I was, I was just shocked that it actually was used that I, I think I kind of liked it despite how obvious it was, <laughs> you know, um, So a lot of his movies have very obvious soundtrack choices that sometimes don't fit. Of course, I'm thinking of Hallelujah and Watchmen uh, (laughs) as one of her example. But there have been other tendencies of this in his filmography before. Um, As we mentioned earlier, there is a lack of slow motion in this movie in this movie compared to his others, which I did appreciate, even though that is definitely a uh, hallmark of his at this point. And a lot of the time, the style is used to distract people from how poorly written his movies tend to be a lot of the time. People get kind of sucked up in the visuals that they don't really care about anything else. I mean, 300 was kind of all about that, <laughs> you know, when you think when you look back on it. Um, but here, I, I like uh, once again, I think Dave Batiste is doing a tremendous amount of heavy lifting on his, you know, very big muscular back. <laughs> I think he's carrying so much in this that I think it's his best performance to date. Um, And maybe that's not saying much, but he's really endeared himself, I think, to a lot of us because he has stressed in a lot of interviews that he really does want to push himself. He wants to challenge himself. He wants to work with directors that he admires. And there's something about seeing a wrestler come from that world who transitions into acting and decides to go that route as opposed to you know, what Dwayne Johnson did, which he turned himself into a brand and made himself the biggest movie star in the entire world. Nothing wrong with that, just a different approach. And I think I appreciate Batiste's approach just a little bit more is all. And this is another example of him trying to prove that. So props to him in that regard. Overall, I had a good time with this. I would not call it perfect by any means, and I definitely have some subjective quibbles about it. But overall... Especially if you're seeing it in a theater, um, this was a really, really good time. I say, I think if you are going to watch it at home, I would recommend watching it with friends. I think that would help, you know, because it is a a, a fun film at times to watch, and you know, some of the zombie action and so on and so forth. Um, I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Uh, what about you, Josh? I'm going to give it a seven out of ten, which I never thought I would
3: ever utter those words in talking about a Zack Snyder film, but. I had a lot of fun with it,
1: much more than I ever expected to. What about you, Will?
2: Yeah, we're doing the whole singular raising the bar thing because I am five out of ten.
1: There it is. All right. So there you go. Uh, in terms of Oscar potential for Army of the Dead, somebody here, I don't remember if it was you, Will, or Josh, uh, mentioned the sound work in this film. Uh, do you think that visual effects, like, do you, like makeup? I mean, wh- anything, anything at all?
2: I think it's too early in the year, probably, especially in a year where like all the blockbusters got pushed to this year. Um, you know, if this had opened last year, I think it could have shown up in the makeup race or the definitely in the visual effects race, co- courtesy of the tiger uh, and some of those background extensions. As it stands now, unless Netflix decides to make this one of their big horses. Come awards time for the below the line races, which I don't think they will because they have a ton of stuff coming later this year. Uh, I I don't think this is going to compete in any awards category. But you know the the makeup branches is, is unpredictable. You know they they sometimes have they sometimes do like to bring creature features to the Bake Off. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, made it to the makeup Bake Off one year, so um, maybe this this shows up. The makeup was done by um, the, the people who were nominated years ago for Star Trek First Contact. So it um, the branch knows them. I guess that could happen. I don't think it will. I'd be surprised if it got any nominations.
1: I, I'd be surprised if Netflix even decided to back it, if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't think that this is going to
3: get any nominations. Like I agree with you, Will, that the makeup could show up on the bake-off I because that's something that that branch can do but i still don't really find it that it's going to get there i'd love it for it to do so i think the makeup is also really great and deserves recognition as well and yeah i did really like the sound work but i don't think that's going to happen and i think that this is going to be seen as it's entertaining it's for the masses it's popcorn it's popcorn movie but Outside of that, I don't really see any awards potential for it, even though it has elements that I do think are worthy of recognition.
1: All right. So I'll do it here for our review of Army of the Dead here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Will Mavity, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies.
1: Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.